everybody. That's what I'm talking about, guys. We've made a great effort so far. Let's just keep it up. That's right! We can't have anyone freak out out there, okay? We've got to keep our composure. We've got too far. There's too much to lose. We've got to keep our composure. All right, welcome back to another week of Muskies on Tap. This is an exciting one, folks. We're bringing to you what we did during Northern Wisconsin opener. I know last week we talked about our game plans. We're going to go through our successes, our downfalls, the highs and lows, the good decisions, the bad decisions, all that great stuff. So I hope you stay tuned, listen to that, and look forward to chatting up Muskies. It's finally open, so without further ado, I'm going to introduce the other members of Muskies on Tap. First one being Max Manti. How are you doing tonight, Max? I'm doing great tonight, Gus. Excited to be on once again. If uh, Brian and I got a little extra pep in our step tonight, uh, I'm sure you know why, but uh, we'll, we'll fill everybody in here shortly. But yeah, excited to be back. I uh, got a little catching up on Succession to do. Later on tonight, so I'm excited to get through this. Um, a little tired from the weekend. We put in, you know, some serious hours out on the water, uh, but a really good time. Really good time. Enjoyed it. So it's crazy how quickly it came and went, right? We were talking about the opener for months in, in advance, and just like that, it's uh, it's all done with, and summer has now started, so it's going to go quick, but uh yeah, excited to kind of debrief after that that weekend of uh, fishing. All right, our next guest is Brian Eckel. How are you doing tonight, Brian? I'm doing great. My uh, rib cage rug burn slash bruise is starting to heal from ripping all those crank baits and rubber and everything else in the box. But yeah, doing doing great here. A little bit sad that weekend flew by, like Max said, but uh, an absolute barn burner of an inter-squad tournament we had, and uh, can't wait to get into some of those details for everybody. Oh yeah, we'll get into the tournament details right after this, but before we go any further, I have to introduce our new guest this week. He was the guy that came in as the fourth man on the boat over the weekend. He was also my uh, team partner for our little tournament we had. And that is Jack Tierlink. How you doing tonight, Jack? I'm doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk some fishing. I'm sure we'll get into it with you know how the weekend went, but it was a ton of fun, and I'm looking forward to more in uh, in the future. All right, gents, should we just go go right into the tournament results here, or Max, you want to talk about that? I know you're probably just itching to to let the folks know what happened. Okay, I mean, yeah, we we don't need to leave them hanging, I guess. <laughs> Not not a shocker to Brian and I, but we got her done this weekend. Took as home predicted. the uh, yeah, as predicted. Took home the big cash prize. Also, big fish came out of our squad as well. Uh, so we're we were pretty happy with that. You know, it wasn't for a lack of uh, tensions at times, a little bit of bickering here and there. But like we predicted, I mean, we just sharpened each other's knives and uh, we persevered. We got her done. So. We, we, I think we captured that momentum we were looking for heading into our uh, PMCC tournament late in June. I'm sure it'll be pretty equal competition. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm excited for that, but yeah, was, uh, was pumped to get it done. I mean, we, do you want to, do you want to talk about the actual results yet or uh, how do you want to, how do you want to go about that? 
I guess that'll just kind of it'll come with what we're talking about throughout the night. So I'll with that said, I'll, I'll toss it over to my partner, get his quick uh, you know, time time to shine on the podium. We're sitting up there at, at the top right now. So Brian, you know, how are you feeling after being after be it, being the champ? You know, it feels great. I uh, I kind of rode your hot hand this weekend. So, you know, hopefully I can take some of that stress off you come the tournament time. You had mentioned we got a little momentum going into the tournament. I don't know if I would call it momentum. I don't think we beat the brakes off these musky like we thought we would going into opener. But uh, uh, it was a tough weekend, I think, for everybody. But, um, you know, great teams winning the hardest conditions. And uh, fortunately, that's just Facts. what happened. Facts. Facts. Well said. Really well said. Yeah, I think uh, I think after looking at social media a little bit on the weekend, it seemed like there was a tougher bite overall throughout the whole musky range of uh, northern Wisconsin. But with Saturday for us, we I think in the last podcast we probably talked about hitting our go-to smaller stained lakes, hitting our high percentage areas, working them somewhat slowly but you know just only hitting a few couple you know a couple spots and then moving on to the next lake and that's kind of really what we did saturday we just started off at a lake we all really like and that's how we got the first fish we just grinded it out on those uh on those spots which well actually we we did a little uh a new spot that max can maybe talk about he made the call there and he's the one that caught the fish saturday morning uh, he caught the first fish, and I think the reason – I don't want to jump too far ahead, but I think the reason you called that is because we went through our A1 spot without seeing a single muskie Saturday morning uh, to start the day, running four baits. I think we started with exactly what we are talking about. One of us was throwing a glide, one of us throwing a crank, uh, one of us throwing a diving rise, and I think a blade potentially right away as well, and just nothing. No muskie sighted in A1 spot, and that just kind of led us to, I think before going to the spot that you called, Max, we hit one more spot that we have fished before and moved a muskie on a crankbait. So that kind of got us going in the right direction, figuring out that they're, the muskies are getting a little more fired up with the heat coming, the uh, sun getting out longer, and the wind starting to pick up. But then, but then Max made the perfect call of hitting kind of a new area, and we just broke it apart. And... And I think right before you caught that one, we moved another. Kind of figured that they were just in that area. Yeah, I think going <laughs> to that first A1 spot, being, you know, fairly shallow, weedy bay, where we pretty much have always moved a fish there throughout throughout the summer last year. Um, we had kind of figured that, you know, we saw a ton of bait fish there, saw a ton of panfish up in the weeds, and we just, you know, assume the muskies would be lurking around that same area. And, and last opener last year, that was, you know, a crankbait bite or a full pause bait, you know, took what we knew from last year into this, this weekend. But, you know, when we didn't move anything in that first massive drift across the huge weed flat, it was a little concerning. And then, you know, going into sort of second or third spot, um, I had moved one incredibly slow and low on a Medusa or sorry, on a bulldog. Um, and that was pretty similar to the first spot. I mean, it, I guess a little bit deeper in weeds maybe, but, you know, and then I think 20 yards down from that is when Max caught his. So definitely a weird bite and not exactly what we expected, but, um, I don't think we were like too concerned being though that we caught one on, you know, our first lake of the day on Saturday. So I don't know, Max, if you want to talk about what led up to your fish a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, the spot call wasn't – I don't think it was crazy. I mean, the way the lake is laid out, you know, there's uh, an inflow and an outflow creek uh, that feeds out each side. Um, and so the, the first spot we hit kind of was orientated around, I believe, the, the inflow uh, side of the lake. And like Brian and Gus had said, you know, that's the side of the lake that we've historically done really well on, uh, a drift that we normally always move fish on. So, yeah, I mean, Saturday morning, obviously, the vibes are pretty high, right? Opening musky uh, weekend, we're going into it. We got all these high expectations. The weather's warm. The water's warming up. Bait fish are, you know, the whole, it, it seemed like the whole food chain was up, you know, less than six feet of water. So it just felt great. Um, and kind of like you said, Brian, it's like, you know, you go through this whole area. It was like, I think when it was all said and done, it was like a two plus hour drift. I mean, we were in that area for a long time when we started out the day and just, it was just crickets. And so, you know, the call was more or less just, okay, focusing on the other side of the lake where the outflow was and just, just more so something different. I guess the question I'll ask you guys, you know, do you think it was the, the actual spot decision or do you think it had something to do with the fact that it, okay, it was that like mid morning kind of window where all of a sudden, you know, it went from completely glass calm to getting kind of feeling that like wind at your back, you know, you're seeing the water start to move, you know, the wind picked up and then it was like, boom, the fish hit. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about kind of how that all happened, but I'd be curious to hear your guys' thoughts. Do you think it was spot dependent or do you think the window just actually opened up and it was just a tight, a tight window that we were lucky enough to be on a fish at that time. So if you guys recall, while we were ending the A1 drift and we moved to that secondary uh, rock flat, the wind had already picked up quite a bit. And we did move one, a smaller fish off of the rocks. And still, even when the wind was picking up, we didn't see anything in the A1 drift. And then we went over to a slack water-ish area. I mean, you could still feel the wind there, but... I mean, I, I wanted to say it was the wind pickup, but it seemed like that wind already picked up. So I don't know if there was just like a really, really tight bite window, but I think we just stumbled on two fish or just a very like small area where the fish were holding. I don't know. It's hard to say with that because wind yeah. pickups were always seeing, you know, action during that. Yeah. I, traditionally like in the spring when the water's you know still working its way up to summer temps we've kind of noticed a trend with like the sun coming out mid-morning and sort of charging up the fish and there's been like a good late morning bite i don't think that was as relatable to this weekend i guess that first day kind of fell in that line but i don't think it was necessarily the spot either because it, it just seems like there's for sure fish in that first you know a1 drift and they just wouldn't budge i mean i don't know where else those fish would have been we didn't mark any you know really off the drop or anything on side imaging. So I just think it was a super small bite window and we just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And there was two sizable muskies, you know, within 20 to 30 yards of each other there in that bay. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, so I, I guess I can kind of talk about the bite. It was a really cool one. So that was a good way to, you know, start off the, the Wisconsin year. You know, the way the bay laid out, uh, it was, you know, like I said, it, it, it almost kind of is like a half moon bay where you have, and outflow and weeds were extending out the weeds on this lake were pretty good you know it was a spot where we were able to cast you know two off at each side and both all, or all four of us being you know over cover in some regard so as we were moving through the spot i don't even know how i ended up getting to where i was on the boat but i think i ended up kind of slowly meandering my way to the front of the boat because i had been fishing in the back i think the first three hours 
And so I kind of usurped that, uh, that King spot there for a few minutes, luckily enough at the right time, but I was just twitching a seven inch sam- slammer off what would have been the deeper side. So, you know, some deeper kind of tall green cabbage. It was just a really cool eat, like, you know, 15, 20 feet out from the boat. Muskie just kind of came up vertical on it and just smoked it. Fought really hard. It's cool, like, when you <laughs> the, the water was fairly clear and some fish is fighting by the boat. I didn't really know I had it hooked. I mean, I'm still a little rusty with the hook sets. And, you know, you could see the, the both sides of the bait on each side of the, you know, fish's mouth. So just completely T-boned it. Uh, fish wasn't going anywhere, luckily. I think it ended up coming in at what gust 39 and a quarter or something like that. So not, you know, thir- yeah. So not, not a giant fish by any means, but a really good one to get the day started. I think that got the spirits kind of picked up and, you know, everyone was in a much better mood, I think, after we were able to finally pop one. But yeah, I mean, nothing, nothing crazy, you know, just, just twitching that slammer, twitch, twitch, pause or pause, twitch, twitch, however you want to work it. And, uh, you know, just, Pretty much just uh, took a little inspiration from my partner, Brian, after he was working a crank fade early in the day, was watching how he was doing it, like liked, uh, liked the finessiness. So we're just kind of trying to copy that program and lucky enough, got one to got one to go. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was good. It's fun. Now, do, do you want to let the people know right away that, that that was your or was our biggest fish of our tournament or are we going to let the suspension suspense <laughs> build on that? <laughs> No, we, we can, we, it's okay to say that that, that was our biggest fish, um, unfortunately. So we didn't, we didn't quite reach our, uh, I think our line that we set at 42 and a half, but it was a good fish. I mean, it was built, um, built well, it wasn't really too beat up from the spawn, which I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of defer to Gus on that, whether, you know, it was a, a, a male that didn't go through the spawn or a female or what, but I mean, after seeing how low and slow and lazy your follow was, Brian, to see how charged up that fish was when it hit, it was like two totally different, you know, fish at two, like those two fish were completely at different timelines in their spring, you know, time frame as, as far as to what they were doing. Cause you know, it was, it was like a, a bite almost like, you know, you'd see in, in midsummer form or something like that. It didn't follow nothing. It just, just crushed it. Yeah, I'm not one to say on whether a fish is a male or female. I mean, obviously, once they hit that really large proportion of mid-40s or greater, it's, you know, obvious that it's a female. But I'm looking at the picture now, Max, and it's definitely got some It's definitely got some scars on it. I mean, I want to say it's a male. And you said you were working that slammer at a pretty good pace. And like they always say in spring, those males are like extra fired up. And I think that bay we're working with, Oh, I don't know, somewhere in like the upper 60s of water temp. So that's plenty to get these fish moving and grooving pretty quick. I mean, I know springtime fish can be lethargic and we saw plenty of them over the weekend. But when they want to get fired up, they will eat baits going at a pretty good pace. Yeah, no, I agree. No, it was it was a it was a good strike. And that was just before lunchtime. So we were I mean, it kind of came at the perfect time because I think we were a little bit we're a little bit down in the dumps. I think we we're the hunger was kind of setting in then. So um, I think we got that fish and did we even? I think we did one more drift on that lake and then we broke for lunch right on Saturday. Yeah, I want to say we went and did another drift, but during the midday minor, that fish ended up coming. What looks like I'm looking at the major and minor times that on opener, and it came a good 20, 30 <laughs> minutes before the minor even started. So that must have just been like bait in front of a fish. Fish had the opportunity of eating it, and it did. 
or just like a weather type bite window because we went to go fish a really good area for that miner and I don't think we saw anything during that one hour before lunch. I'll uh I do want to get Jack's thoughts here um before we kind of talk about our lake change. Uh Jack, were you at all surprised with the lack of action? I mean, we still caught a fish there in the morning, so it wasn't wasn't a bad morning by any means, but um, you know, definitely some concerns not moving fish in certain areas. What were your thoughts there? I think that the biggest thing for me is always, you know, it's musky opener. You wait for this moment as soon as the ice goes up and you, you know, you have dreams, you think about, you know, just catching tons of fish, tons of big fish. And then you finally get back out there and then you remember this is musky fishing. Um, <laughs> that was uh, something that, you know, became apparent in the, in the, in that first morning, got out there started off a little slow weren't getting follows and you know seeing fish where we you know would expect to see them um at this point you know i was you know reminded it was musky fishing and par for the course so i was still going uh pretty confident heading to the next spot heading to the next lake and heading into the next few days that's all about to change for jack <laughs> hey don't spoil it that's my partner <laughs> But yeah, I'll, I don't I'll even I don't trend. even remember where we where we went next after the nine lakes we hit. So Gus, you're gonna have to segue us here. Yeah, I could say it if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me just call out. So we went to the secret lake. Bleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we broke for lunch, um, and it being a, a holiday weekend, you know, we 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 really weren't able to get in and out of the uh, establishment that we chose. So. Ended up putting down a few beers, and uh, at that point in time of the day, it was, I don't know, 85, 86, pure sun. I think the wind had kind of subsided a little bit for the most part at that point of the day. So, you know, we, we decided to hop on a small lake and go let Gus kind of take over. But, yeah, I think we were moving a little bit slow on uh, Saturday afternoon, if you guys could agree, just for a few hours. The fish were as well. Yeah, yeah. It just felt a little stagnant out there. Yeah, we hopped on a small lake after lunch. Spirits were not great when we got to the launch scene that there was quite a few number of boats on such a small body of water. That didn't help at all. And the next part that didn't help was the fact that we only caught a couple small pike and didn't see a muskie. So I think we pieced out of there after maybe an hour and a half of fishing. I mean, we figured, like Max said, that I know they always say heat of the day in the spring, but man, if it's just heat like that and no wind, it's tough. It's really tough to to move a fish and be by all these other boats. So we decided to, you know, take out and go to the lake that we really wanted to fish for the night bite that we've always had good luck in the past uh, fishing there around sunset. So we're all really excited for there. And I know when we switch legs, you kind of, your spirits get a little bit better. Uh, you probably start working baits a little bit better, maybe doing a little more figure eights, <laughs> but, uh, just a vibe, but change. yeah, it's a vibe change for sure. I think, well, throughout this whole night, I don't remember. Do you, do you guys remember if we moved a muskie at all earlier on, or was it just those larger pike that were, that Brian, were hitting the bag? Brian. Brian moved that one off the random shoreline. Oh, yeah. We were hitting a windblown shoreline. That's right. I think 
I think there was a spot before that. Was it even caught... windblown? Yes. Okay. I just didn't yeah, remember was... any wind out there, but <laughs> Ryan did manage to move one on a I think six inch hell puppy glider. Uh the one with the twister tail on the back. Um, I think the spot before that, Brian hooked up on that same glider. We thought it was a muskie, and it ended up being a, I don't know, we didn't measure it. I think we just popped it off both sides, but I think it was a 32-inch pike or so. It was a pretty nice fish. I believe after that, like I said before, we moved that one on the shoreline that we usually don't really fish, kind of working towards an area that we really like. We ended up marking, I think, a ton of bait in there. Uh, that was another creek mouth type area. And we definitely wanted to come back to that later because we didn't get a muskie to move. But I think after that, we just went to went to our A1 spot, just like we kind of talked about in the morning. And I think we went through that with only just a few pike and no muskie sighted. Yeah, it was slow. It, uh, I think that's it felt a little bit. I mean, I, you know, where it was a little bit odd, I think, where the light bulb might've started going off for us where it felt like our best spots were just barren. I, I don't know what it was. I mean, the weeds were all there. It, it felt like the spot set up very similar to how it had last year and the years prior. The, the bait fish were all there. I mean, they were boiling pretty much in every lake we were on. Like the, the food in the areas we were fishing was crazy. And yet the muskie were still sound asleep. Yeah, it was, it was really bizarre. I mean, you know, going through that spot at that time of day, and not really seeing a fish was just, yeah, it was just a little bit bizarre. But luckily for us, we'll uh, pass it off to Jack here. And Gus, uh, team Gus and Jack were able to get on the board later on in the night. I think that we hit the spot where I got the fish once. And I got bumped in the cast. And I set the hook and there was no no weight, nothing. And we kept going through that through that other spot. And I think somebody else had... A follow or something i believe max had saw a flash or he got hit or something if i remember correctly we kind of gave those fish a break and then trying to think where we where we went after that because i think we came ended up going back to the spot where we caught it i think we went to fish like some mid lake structure and then went back to the spot where you had that bump like i don't know an hour later i i think brian when we did make that change you know, we, we kind of glossed over this, but I, I think you did miss a few fish on that lake as well. That oh, night. yeah. If, yeah. Uh... That that mid-lake hump I got slammed on a, I don't even know what you call that bait, a little twisted tail with a little spinner on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's like a name of that drunk. actually goes. Well, that custom one that I kind of randomly made, I think it was just no, a no. six-inch. No, no, no. Wait, the, wait, what is it? The, the one... The one, the orange one from the uh, Muskie Expo that we picked up. Oh, that's the enticer tackle. Um, it's like a spinner bait, but it's a grub twister tail with just a tiny little, I don't know, number five blade or something really small that that yeah. spins super fast. Yeah, so I got slammed on that like my third cast on the mid lake structure, and then five or ten minutes later, I put on a suic and got stopped in my tracks on a on a pole and had a super awkward like double hook set just totally missed it so just happy to see the fish were out and moving but pretty disappointing there yeah i know as soon as that that suic hit the water i saw a boil just you know a couple feet to the left and uh all of a sudden i see you setting the hook and then unfortunately there was nothing there's no more rod bending after that 
Yeah, I think, Brian, you probably were just looking after your buddies to your left and right. I think if I remember correctly, we were running four off of one side of, of the 18 and a half foot boat. And you're not too far away from the guy next to you. And you were yeah. probably just not trying to to uh, break somebody's jaw or something. Yeah, I think the uh, the guy to the right of me, which is where I set the hook, is the guy who was uh, bringing me home on uh, Monday nights. So I don't want to jack up his jaw too bad and have to figure out how to Uber home. A lot of Ubers in Vilas County. <laughs> so with that being said, Jack, you wanna you wanna talk about the fish you did end up catching? Yeah, so we end up going back over to the spot, and I think it's it was one of those where I think. We, we dropped the trolling motor, I, you know, two casts, and then all of a sudden I'm on. Nobody believed me with some of the antics going on in the boat at that time. It's been a long, <laughs> it's been a long day at that point. I don't know how fast people were to get the net, uh, but we ended up getting it, getting it in. And uh, yeah, it was definitely exciting to, to finally get that first one on opener. Um, so this is, I'd gone a few times before in, in Michigan and uh was able to to get some practice hook sets in, so I'm hope you know thinking that played into the the clean catch that we had there. Jack, you're you're being pretty humble here, but tell the folks that you you did in fact count down this fish, and I think you had casted it out there in three, two, one, and it, somehow you caught a fish on one. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> honestly, uh, I'm still waiting to uh, to get the video sent to me by Gus, but. I don't know if I'll ever have a moment like that again, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know how many hours we've been on the water at this point. And yeah, we, you know, we're joking around. And then, you know, I say, here comes one. And then I start counting three, two, one. And uh, I think if I started at four, it would have been perfect. But that's that's kind of why no one believed me, right? Um, that never happens, especially with muskie. Uh, so yeah, I, I called my shot and it was pretty much perfect so that was something that's still funny to me jack do you want to elaborate on what kind of uh you know i guess got you to no, i think we'll just go there? to the next segment <laughs> i don't think brian wants to talk about it yeah what happens oh, well, on the boat stays on the I, boat <laughs> I, i'll gladly talk about it so Here you know, we go. when oh, we're when oh, we're wait. when we're filming in the boat you know the the loops that when we when we clip our videos they're five minutes so everything prior you know um or i guess prior to when you click the button is is captured and so after you're on the boat for 10 to 12 hours you know things are said (laughs) and i think you know brian brian made a comment a little bit offhanded if you will something that probably would get flagged on youtube normally a stand-up gentleman you know but said something and uh and so that's why jack kind of was like oh this is going to be the time i actually get one and then counts it down and boom sets into yeah. a fish and yeah the joke is been, always <laughs> couldn't have been better the joke's always when uh when something's gonna be in the clip that ruins the clip that's <laughs> when the fish comes so <laughs> uh yeah well we'll leave it at that but it was definitely one of those that uh i'll remember for a long time it was super super funny yeah, that was awesome. Just a real quick note, and I, I do think this is also kind of funny. And we love all of our, our friends who make awesome baits, and I don't regret spending a single dollar on any musky bait I've ever bought. But it is 
hilarious to think that, you know, we, we really loaded up on some baits in the off season. And, and after day one, you know, our, our two fish came on a, a slammer and a maps number five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think probably about the two most affordable baits out there, which they're great baits. And, they're, you know, we we threw a lot of great baits that day. And, and who knows if you were throwing something else, you know, you, you might have still got that fish. But I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, that was an awesome fish, Jack. Love the countdown. Uh, that was a great one to bring the morale up for our team. Team Gus and Jack finally got on the board. Uh, the fish clocked in at 32 and a quarter. So we we're still down. But we at least got the spirits up a lot higher. So we went back to our A1 spot and wanted to do that full drift again. Another classic North Bay weed flat. Uh, we were confused why we didn't move any or see any the first time as we were seeing so much bait fish in there. And I don't know if somebody wants to say it. I, I can't remember exactly, but I think we just put hooks in a few more pike and didn't see another muskie in there in our A1 spot yep i think you got it right and that's when uh and that's when the bite window really just decided to to leave us unfortunately <laughs> we i don't know i felt like we were still kind of going through some struggles like late in the day there on saturday and i guess looking back end of the day on monday i don't know why we were kind of getting fed up with the bites <laughs> on saturday but <laughs> um the one thing we did get a lot of action and a lot of bites from where mosquitoes as the sun went down uh, oh so my that, god that added to our pain um in our last couple spots there on saturday um which which really was a blast for us to deal with those right i think you know the bite window for the muskies at that point was pretty much shut down but then that's when the bite window for mosquitoes was wide open um they were terrible and no so wind and already just just hot from a long day on the water you hear them start buzzing around your face and you know your ears and landing on your hands as you're casting it, we were going through it especially since we forgot to bring bug spray luckily we had like some some lotion bugs uh i guess bug lotion i guess in the boat and we were using that on on our hands but the warning label on it kind of deterred us away from putting it on our face much. Um, but yeah, it was, it was real tough staying out there at that point. It, it almost yeah. felt like we needed to match the hatch of the mosquitoes and get out a little like three-way fly rod and throw a little size 20 hook and a mosquito pattern out. That was our only chance. Cause it seemed like the muskie were pretty full after feeding on something and they weren't by the bait fish. So I'm going to, I'm going to say they were feeding on mosquitoes or something. Yeah, that's, that's a great observation there. Definitely was happening. <laughs> Thanks for that. Very good in, insight, Brian. <laughs> if the muskies aren't bi biting on fish and bait, they're, they're eating mosquitoes. Get out your three-weight fly rod. That's a tip <laughs> Tip for today. There's the tip of the week from Brian. That's going to be a new segment, <laughs> folks, here on Muskies on Tap. We're going to get a tip of the week from Brian Eckle. <laughs> <laughs> get your notepad and paper out for next week. Well, that ended our Saturday night, uh, getting all the bites from mosquitoes, and the spirits were pretty high. You know, two fish, seen a couple more, possibly missed some opportunities of some other biters throughout the day. So we we're looking forward to month, or sorry, we were looking forward to Sunday, and I think that just brought more hot weather, more minimal winds, and 
it ended up just being a very terrible bite day and a very, I would say, pretty bad lake choices. I don't, I don't think we can really point too many fingers here. You know, we made, I'd say we all made a lot of bad lake choices. Uh, I know myself starting in the morning, the first one was just probably not a good idea. I liked our game plan going into Sunday until it actually happened. Um, but it felt like, like once we got on the first lake on Sunday, like we had fished there the previous year, caught a couple of fish out of the lake. And I don't even know like our reasoning exactly for going there. Looking back. I mean, like what we saw there was fair, like really minimal weed growth and, you know, it's fairly clear water and, I mean, maybe we didn't give it enough of a shot, but it just felt dead. I don't know. It 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 was kind of like a head scratcher, and it felt like we kind of like wasted, you know, whatever it was, two hours in the morning, and then went to that lake nearby uh, to try and switch things up. And we, I think we all kind of thought it was going to be, you know, a little bit murkier water. And from what we had heard, it was, you know, a ton of shallow weeds and uh, kind of got there and saw the opposite. So... <laughs> thrown through a little loop there on lake number two and um yeah like you said saw a couple fish i know i think jack you had cited that fairly large fish there on our second lake if you wanted to describe what what happened there yeah i think we were all probably looking at the lily pads that were off the other side of the boat and you know we casted them (laughs) yeah we we saw a goose that looked i guess like a deer uh to brian um but so his eyes, his eyes aren't so good. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting old. No, so we we were kind of casting at the at these shallow lily pads, and um, behind us there was a a deeper. We were kind of on top of a deeper channel, I guess. You know, we're about to move spots, so we you know turn around, uh, getting ready to check out other parts of the lake. And I look down, and there's probably just a foot beneath the surface, uh, low forties fish. Just, I would say mid. I mean, that, that looked like a pretty big fish. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, it was a shock. It was just cruising right by us. It was like it was swimming with a boat like, you know, dolphins do. Just saying, hey. Yeah, and I don't think I've ever seen four baits hit the water about 10 feet in front of it. <laughs> uh, faster in my life. Uh, <laughs> we were we were starving. I mean, yeah. We we showed at the box, but it wasn't interested in anything. I don't know what it was doing. It was just cruising around. Um, but at least at that point, it gave you know me some confidence that you know there's good fish in this lake. And that was before we checked out the rest of it. But at that point, I was like, okay, we've already seen you know a mid forties fish. I was feeling pretty good going into uh, the rest of the lake. I think the one good highlight from that lake, if you guys remember, when that wind did start to pick up and we felt like maybe we had a window going, since it was a new lake, we were scoping out some new areas. We did go back in the area where we saw that big fish, and Max and and you, Jack, I think saw it as well, did get potentially a looker, a uh, a flash on your lure a little far out. So we maybe got that fish to actually move on a bait later, but we weren't particularly sure on that, and it's tough to say. And we just ended up not getting a bite there at all. So it was it was tough. But to kind of put into perspective for the people listening how disinterested this fish was or and and like I mean totally just tuned out of everything. We had thrown, like Jack said, four baits immediately, you know, ten to twenty feet in front of it, ripping across its face, and like we didn't even spook the fish. 
it just kept cruising at same speed and just eventually kind of got out of sight and that was it. So like, I mean, the fish was so sluggish that it wouldn't even run away from the boat and uh, eight shiny loud baits going right by its head. So that kind of summed up, I think most of the muskie we saw is just super slow and, you know, uh, just not phased by anything. Honestly, I think I really, you know, I could have reached down and grabbed the thing. And I think that was our only shot at that fish it wasn't chasing anything at that point <laughs> right i believe right after that that just took us to lunch again uh we got off the water and hit up a local bar for some food and we made a last minute decision a little bit by <laughs> yours truly uh to hit a lake that we have fish but not not a lot uh pretty much just like the morning so our decisions were already just going out the door and everything was bad and we just i don't think we spent much more than an hour at that lake and we just started going off rails really at that point i'm gonna dive in here because i think this might be relatable for people listening if they've ever been on a boat when things are going wrong um (laughs) every day to fish is a great day start with that and hindsight's always 2020 but when it feels like every decision you're making is just just dead wrong and you know that's when opinions i think start flying around like oh we should have done this or should have done that you know i think tensions kind of got a little bit uh thick there in the afternoon we were everyone i think was a little antsy to at least at that point see a fish in any regard that had a chance to eat so if I had like any learning experiences from that day and I think it's hard to say now, you know, when you, when you're in it, it's just always harder, but you know, it's, it's, if you have a game plan, you know, do your best to stick to it. Obviously there's, there's times when you have to pivot, but when you start to kind of get way too wishy-washy and pivot too much, it feels like that's kind of when the rails or when the, when the, when the car just kind of falls off the rails and like, that at that point like nothing felt right i mean we just we were all over the map like i think all four of us had an idea on you know what we wanted to do you know it's all it's all love in this crew so we we battled through it but you know i think it was just one of those funny funny days where like you know i don't i didn't really see too many people catching fish on that day just from like social media and stuff i I think the bite with like the bite would just in general was really tough i don't know if it would have mattered what lake we would have gone to that day but yeah, it was just kind of funny. Like we, I mean, we got so like tired and like burnt out from the sun and the, the low wind that like, I feel like we almost just kind of became delusional at that point. You know, we're on day two and things were so slow. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, how you guys feel, but yeah, I think that was my biggest takeaway is like, if you have a game plan, just, just try your best to stick to it and commit to it. But uh, if things start to go away, like there's a time to pivot and there's a time not, but once you start kind of, pivoting too much i guess that just it just gets a little bit all over the map so i think a good way to sum up uh lake number three on our sunday adventures like gus said we were probably only there for an hour but uh the car ride to our fourth lake of the day was very quiet so <laughs> nothing uh nothing too great happened at the third lake and yeah we were all pretty down bad yeah i agree with all that it was just tough. Like Max said, the, the car was already off the rails and it just, it wasn't even getting close back to the tracks. And with our fourth lake choice, it's just another one of those 
lakes that we know super well because at this point we just wanted confidence and that's what we got you know we all got more new confidence going into this fourth lake for the night i mean we fished that lake all night and it was sunny (laughs) i think by then the wind pretty much completely shut off i don't think there was even a breath of wind out there you could hear people talking from across the lake um i think there's only one story from that night of excitement that we can talk about if you guys remember the last spot in the bay yeah we got some karma we got a little karma on our side for our next trip i think we we, we thought we did <laughs> well yeah we i mean we, did for the we, night. we banked it we banked it for the next trip <laughs> so yeah we were just fishing a bay that was our a1 spot we had super good confidence in it we're kind of rounding out the night before that we just weren't moving anything and like i said you can kind of just hear everything on the water because there's no wind going on and we look behind us and there's this lady in a kayak with her dog and before you know it the dog was in the water just swimming around really no harm there i guess but they were kind of far from shore and the lady was having a tough time getting the dog to follow her i mean i don't I think it was just tough because it was like a golden retriever, maybe. So mm-hmm. fully soaked, that dog is that that dog's got a lot of weight to carry while it tries to doggy paddle. And she was having a tough time getting the dog in the kayak or to follow her. So that's when we just quick picked up our our mo- uh, trolling motor and and buzzed over to her to quick help help get the dog back in the kayak so that she could get back into shore. And and she was super <laughs> thankful and. I guess we were just happy to be there. There's other people in the area, but I think other people were just having too much of a good time. And and since we we weren't seeing any fish, we weren't really saying much. So it was quiet in our boat and we could hear her <laughs> plenty. I mean, I think you're underplaying the situation a little bit. I mean, I, that was close to becoming a pretty like, I mean, I think it actually when we got to her, the situation, I think it escalated from the dog at that time wasn't really just paddling around. I mean, that was that was a scary situation and yeah um you know luckily enough we had uh, a <clears throat> former d1 tight end jack <laughs> pretty much reach over the boat and just manhandle this dog out of the water <laughs> and put it on the kayak and she's like oh my god i thought i was about to lose my dog that was so scary i mean it was yeah it was uh it was it was wild pretty lucky that way i guess we were in that bay because I don't really know how much more time that that dog had to keep swimming around without that situation getting like pretty dire. Yeah. Shout out Jack for being a, being a great guy in the community. Community loves him up there. Everyone. loves. Yeah. I think, I think we were like all thinking it. And I don't remember who said it, but we were like, all right, now we're going to catch a big fish. (laughs) Of course. Yeah. We did something good. So something good has got to (laughs) happen to us. That's, 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 great mindset there (laughs) it it was bad when you know like you were saying the lake's quiet and you can hear everything and we were kind of watching it for a couple minutes and max you know started you know we should you know see if they're all right so he starts yelling over and she doesn't reply so you know i'm sure she's kind of starting the lady in the kayak starting to panic a little bit you know the ears shut off and you're just focusing on trying to get the dog in so we went over there and as we got closer you could hear the dog crying and when we got there, it was one of those where I just leaned over the side of the boat. I didn't have, you know, support in the full weight of the dog, you know, 
evenly distributed. It was kind of like, all right, this is how we're doing it. And you're, you're coming up now. And so I just got under it and lifted pretty much as hard as I could. It was soaking wet and I just had to get it a little bit higher to get it to crawl back into the kayak. And then that was a, a good, a good story out of an otherwise pretty slow day. <laughs> like we're saying, thought we had karma on our side, but then again, no muskies biting, all mosquito bites. So we packed her up, called it a day. It was a tough one. So we all learned something that day, even if we didn't catch one, you know, no info is always still info, you know, or no feedback from the muskies is still always good info. Still had a great time out there. And with that being said, we, we wanted to go to just an all around action like Monday morning and pretty much we were just struck down almost immediately Um, because as, as Sunday ended, we just weren't feeling great about the bite and we wanted to have a pick me up. I think after two, three, two, three hours in the morning of just not seeing a fish again at our action lake where it's pretty typical to see, I don't know if I'm crazy for seeing this, saying this at least two to three an hour almost there, it seems like on some days. I mean, I mean there's maybe. Gus, weren't you batting 100% there last year on guide trips, trips there with friends? Like, I mean, this is no yes. there's no guarantees in musky fishing but i mean it's you know it was crazy yeah. to move through those first like three four spots again sun beating on us no wind no fish moving yeah. it just this felt was a, impossible yeah this was a 2022 batting 100 lake uh for myself in the boat and i think the longest day we ever put in that lake was on the previous opener when we were there for a, a while. And I think we caught seven or six fish, which is why we wanted to go back there this year. Cause we thought we could repeat that, which is why our, which is why our opening weekend uh, line set for amount of muskies caught was set so high, which we did not reach unfortunately. And by the end of fishing that lake before Jack, Brian and Max had to head, head out, uh, we were not able to boat a fish. So that was, that was the first time uh, not boating a fish in that lake since, I think, 2021, uh, which was unfortunate. But we did we did manage to move two directly in front of the boat launch before we left. And I don't know if one of you guys want to talk about if that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, so we uh, Gus insisted that we fish this weed bed directly uh, next to the boat launch. Uh, before we headed out and we were all pretty tuned out and uh, I'm not sure Max, Jack or I were, were too happy about getting the rods back out to fish this last spot, but uh, we did. And kind of unfortunately, I raised a muskie on the same L puppy glide bait. Um, this is actually a custom one, a little twister tail off the back treble. Like my last follow on the glide bait, just super low and slow. And this one, if I remember right, like had its nose like within a foot of the bait uh right up boat side and i just left it dangle almost balancing on the fish's nose and then it just kind of sunk and turned away and this was super lethargic and at that point i was so tuned out that like that fish didn't even get me going and was just already clocked out for the weekend and then unfortunately about 30 seconds to a minute later max raised another fish like 20 yards to the left of where I just raised that one. 
Um, Max, what were you throwing there? And did you enjoy getting the fall on the last part of the day? <laughs> that was good to see a muskie, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I knew I was sticking around for that day for that night too. So getting two fish going right at the you know last spot of our afternoon I, you know i was cool seeing that i mean maybe i was thinking something was about to change you guys had to get going so you know we weren't able to like circle around or really get after those fish too hard not that it really seemed like they were going to bite um regardless they're very lethargic i think i was throwing uh a bait gust built it's just like a little um number five blade with like a I don't even know what is a gus like a Kalen's. What is it? Just a little twister tail with the number five blade. Yeah, I just took a a Meps Musky Killer front attachment number five orange blade and just threw on a single six out treble hook with a Kalen six inch grub. So it's pretty much just a blade and a grub. Super simple. Yeah, so I was just throwing that something small. Like I said, action. Like we said, action water. So. Just, just really tossing it out to try to get a bite, even if it was a small fish. Um, so yeah, that was, I guess, you know, it was fine to see. Same kind of for Brian though. Like at that point, we were so tired and the fish were so lazy, it, it didn't really feel real that they were gonna actually eat. But yeah, you know, I think the biggest unfortunate part of that was it was right at the end of our trip, highly anticipated trip. Had to say goodbye to the boys, Brian and Jack. Had to send back down to to Appleton and Green Bay at then. So, you know, competition ended. Uh, Before we move on, I guess the next two days that we're going to touch on here, I do want to take a little bit of a victory lap with my partner here, Brian, uh, and get, uh, you know, get, get, glean a little insight from Gus and Jack. I mean, how are you guys feeling taking the L from, from a team like Brian and I? I mean, you're two of the best to ever do it, right? Thank you, Jack. Um... Stand up guy. (laughs) I mean, obviously, Max was the only one who caught the fish for that team. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was it was fun. I mean, it was a, a good weekend. Unfortunately, it wasn't a, you know, fish-for-fish competition, a shootout at the end uh, like we were kind of hoping for. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Can't complain too much. Yeah, I just want to congratulate the winners. You guys deserved it. But, yeah, Max, you got you to gotta be stretching this week because, man, you were – you were carrying the team on your back. How does it feel, man? No, it's not about that. It's not about me. It's about the team. Team, the team, the team. I'm getting I'm getting the bird here on Zoom. I uh, you know, honestly shout out my partner. Loved watching him fish this weekend. Thought he was doing a lot of good things heading into the PMCC. That's the next time we're gonna be able to fish together. So loved what I saw from the kid this weekend. The only thing I can say is well, I'll, I'll just say this. I'm shocked Brian didn't catch one, but I got a feeling that he is due for a big fish, and that's going to come at the right time for us end of June at the PMCC when the when the big money's on the line. Uh, due factor. That's all I got to say. Well, I I uh, I'm, I'm hoping we can continue that. You- ride your hot hand going into the tournament um but i am curious i usually get ridiculed about this pretty much the entire year for the last uh 24 years but uh how were my figure eights this weekend i was trying to polish them up ahead of the tournament um can get a little lazy with them especially if you're not seeing a fish for 12 hours but uh did, you know did it look like i was making some necessary improvements 
I thought you were flawless, man. I mean, I thought you fished great this weekend. I think, you know, the attitude at times made me want to smack you in the head. Uh, but that wasn't much. I mean, most of the time you kept a good attitude, thought you fished well. I was shocked at how good the figure eights were. 2023 is just a new Brian, I guess. I, uh, I'm excited to see it. And, yeah, uh, now, now we're just waiting on the results. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, um, after we, we sent Brian and Jack on their way, Gus and I were kind of brainstorming during the afternoon. You know, we had some hours to play with. And as we were sitting there just kind of talking about what we were thinking about doing, all of a sudden a bunch of clouds started to roll in, wind picked up. We're like, we got to get out there. So I'll let Gus touch on this, but we decided to completely change it up. We went to a bigger body of water, clearer water. We figured, hey, might as well just do something completely different. I'll let Gus take it from there. Yeah, like Max said, we just started to see way better weather come in, and we are just licking our chops and had to get out there and picked much larger water than we fished the entire weekend and much, much clearer. So we went in there with some pretty high spirits of contacting some fish. I was there previously kind of just checking it out because it's a lake I like to fish quite a bit throughout the entire year, and the weeds were looking great, so we just started it off. I think we started off trolling, actually, just to kind of see if we could uh, contact one. We were running the live scope back to look at our trolling lures to kind of see what depths they're running at. I think we moved one. We had one come up and look, if I remember. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was kind of good to see that they're moving and grooving and coming after a trolling bait. You know, not entirely, but... After going a good speed, I think we were just fluctuating between like three miles an hour and 3.8 or something like that. We're trying to go too fast. But then our then our father came to the dock and at the launch and we picked him up and we wanted to go to our first uh, casting spot because it just was looking way too juicy and we needed to stop trolling because the kind of the kind of areas that we like to troll in that lake weren't quite there yet. So we decided to just go right to casting, went right to the windiest part of the lake. And I don't think it took very long, but I, I hooked I uh, I hooked and lost one on a mini Medusa, just crushed it way out in the cast. No questions asked. Uh, brought it close to the boat. It was like a low 30s. Uh, I was about to swing it back the other way because I noticed the bait was kind of hanging out of the mouth funny. And it just was a spunked up male and darted the other way and spit the hook. So that was unfortunate to see, but I think the absolute next cast, our dad was throwing a uh, a seven nine trigger blade and moved a fish immediately, like another small fish. We're like, holy crap, these these fish are fired up. This is <laughs> we just saw a lot of action in you know thirty seconds compared to what we've kind of been talking about the uh, the final bit of our our northern Wisconsin opener send, but felt like we had major confidence that we made the right lake choice and it just everything felt felt good finally and with that i think we hit one more weed bed weeds definitely still look good but didn't see one and i think at at some point we had to drop uh dad back off at the dock he had to get back to do some stuff around the house so max and i went to fish a shoreline area that we really like and that's mainly rock and timber there weren't really weeds there but we didn't move a fish there but we moved down the line and 
and kind of got into the area where there were some really good weeds. I'll let I'll let Max take it away from here and what you, what you want to say about this uh, weed bed as we approached it because I think it started to get a little later in the night and the wind died down. Yeah, I mean that was that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever seen out on the water. And so, like Gus said, we were fishing a clear body of water. Wind completely laid down, so you could see all the way to the bottom. We were seeing huge large mouse, huge suckers, huge walleye massive schools of panfish massive schools of crappie it was like an aquarium it was like you know freaking bass pro shop or something or cabela's like looking at a tank you're just looking down you're seeing like 23 inch walleye and it's just like it's like a fisherman's dream you're seeing 20 plus inch suckers it was crazy so we kept saying like dude there's gotta be musky here right like <laughs> this is insane and uh like Gus said, the wind had died down. It was super calm, clear water, the sun setting. And I'm just like, Gus, what can I possibly put on right now that like is going to even remotely get a look? Yeah. So with, with the wind dying down, something that I like to do, and at least it just gives me confidence and, and it feels like it's, it's usually a, a correct bait choice when it's so calm and, and quiet and you're trying to kind of make your presence less known to the fishes is use super subtle baits. And that's when I think I switched between a dive and rise and a glide bait. Uh, but I had Max up front throwing a swimming dog, which, you know, rubber is always just phenomenal. And with that boot tail, just kind of swimming through the water, super natural. It just felt like it was the right bait. And I think, I don't know what you're throwing before that, but I think you asked me like, what should I throw? And I'm like, yeah, throw on, throw on that swimming dog. I think it just kind of feels right. And, and I don't remember if we moved one quite yet on the, on the spot, but you, you hooked up. Was that our first encounter on that? It was, my, it, it was my, it was like my first or second cast with the swimming dog. I was throwing yeah, a blade. I was right. throwing the seven, nine, I was throwing the seven, nine trigger that my dad was throwing previously that moved the fish. And I was like, this just doesn't feel right. So threw on the walleye swimming dog. It was like the first or second cast and just got crushed. Probably one of the weirdest things to ever happen both sides. So I hook up with this fish. It's like a mid thirties fish. It was fighting like crazy and uh, get it to the boat. As I'm, as I'm kind of trying, as I was just about to engage free spool, because it was, like I said, I mean, it's not a big fish, but it was fighting, fighting like a big fish. Uh, go to engage free spool. And the fish charges the boat. You can see it on video. My whole rod just completely loses tension. The line slacks and the fish jumps from one side of the tip of the boat, hits the tr like the top of the trolling motor and lands on the other side of the boat and shakes the hook. And we kind of both just started laughing. We were just like, what do you, what can you do? I mean, it was really cool. Obviously sad to not catch the fish, but we were like, that was awesome. I mean, I've never seen a fish do that boat side where it literally, I mean, it, it, if the boat was positioned differently or it jumped at a different, you know, point, it would have jumped in the boat. It was that high out of the water boat side. I mean, it made a huge mess. So that's when we were like, holy crap, maybe we found something. And literally on my next cast, after I lost that fish, I raised another one and it was a little bit la lazier and slow, kind of like the previous ones, but just cool to see. Uh, so we were like, okay, we found, we found our spot. We found our bait. And we circled back and that's kind of when things just started getting a little bit, a little bit crazy. 
Right. So we circled back on this weed bed and we worked it completely different the first time. I don't have like good knowledge of where the weed bed was. I do now, but we circled back and decided to hit it from more of the outside and keep the boat a little further away and cast way over the top of the entire weed bed instead of kind of picking apart left and right. Just kind of, it didn't feel right with the wind being died down to just kind of go directly over it or too close to it. And that's when we moved two quite larger specimens. And I think one of them, I mean, this is just like a crazy night. I think one of them, I moved on a glide bait and then moved another smaller fish, the next cast. And then I think just before that you moved a big fish. I mean, these waypoints are really close together and we're just seeing fish like crazy. They're just showing up. They different. weren't. They were all different fish. It was in like a 70 yard stretch probably. Right. Yeah. They were just different fish and they were just coming to say, Hey, next to the boat. And they didn't seem to be super fired up for the most part. I mean, we got that one to strike ferociously on the swimming dog and really just hoping for another now that it's at sunset, but it must've just kind of died down and all we got were curious fish. So this was just good Intel that we're, we're finally finding fish and, and the next day, um, which would be Tuesday of this past week, I had my first guide trip and, you know, after the whole weekend, I wasn't exactly sure on where to take my client out. And this just confirmed on where to go. I mean, we had like six fish tagged and just one weed bed. So I'm like, oh yeah, this I gotta gotta do this for the next day. Gotta go to this lake for the four, four and a half hour, you know, five hour window. The only thing I'll add to that night, and it was unfortunate we didn't get another one to go, but uh, the sun sun kind of sunk. Mosquitoes again came out terrible. Couldn't even fish, so we had to head in. And the, the one weird thing is, so every podcast you listen to and every person you hear talk about early season, it's like north side of the lake, warmest part of the lake, you know, greenest weeds. We ended up finding fish in the complete opposite area than your traditional northern Wisconsin opener spot. And that was like, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to get another opener with this type of weather, but if we do, you know, I think it's something to put like a feather in your cap as far as something that we really learned. What do you think? Gus? I mean, I think the main takeaway on this is that with that sustained hot weather, we were really thinking just like fish those small stained waters. And I'm sure if we just kept fishing them and, and maybe even go into smaller lakes that were well into the post spawn period to move more small male fish, I was kind of getting the thought in my head that that clear water that doesn't retain heat as well that's going to stay colder because by then those stain lakes were getting into the low seventies at minimum. And I mean, in a week, those things shot up 10 degrees. I mean, that's a lot for the fish and that can really shut down a bite. And these, these larger lakes weren't shooting up as much with, with the temperatures. I mean, I think it was kind of just finding some fish that maybe were looking for water that wasn't fluctuating temperature so much because I know these muskies can be really finicky with that water temp early in the year. And they like to, you know, retain their heat and, and, and be able to digest fish, you know, well enough, but they don't want to be stressed out by this overly hot water coming at them like a ton of bricks, super fast with all this hot weather. So I think that was a good takeaway. And, and yeah, like Max said, just super odd, warm, 
Memorial Day weekend temperatures and weather and and stuff you don't usually see. Yeah, I think it just goes to show that like when you think you have a pattern figured out in muskie fishing, specifically this early season pattern, there's always something else out there to catch fish. And so I think that's the biggest takeaway I learned is like doing something completely different. I mean, I remember Brian saying on the last podcast, like, all right, so the plan is to really stay away from the big clear lakes, which at the time, you know, made all the sense in the world. And then we ended up having probably the most action, saw the most fish on the biggest and clearest lake we fished that weekend. And I'll kind of let you talk about it, you know, how the next day went with your guide trip. Yeah. So like I said, I, I decided to go back to that body of water the next day on Tuesday for the guide trip. And, and those, and those fish were right where they were the day before and ended up fishing two other weed beds that I kind of knew about. And those fish were absolutely fired up. I mean, it got the client out, you know, a little more on the, on the beginner side of musky fishing. I wanted to kind of get them into it, get them uh, learning how to cast and all that good stuff. You know, you kind of got to set the foundation where you can get the good cast out, be able to have the good figure eight, because you just never know when these fish are going to come out of nowhere, even in the clear water. I mean, they're going to use the wind as cover, some of those tall weeds. They sometimes hide behind, uh, sometimes they hide under the boat, you know, weird things like that. And I think we got one to move in the first five minutes or so. So that's always good to see early action with clients to keep them engaged is definitely an important thing because it can sometimes be tough if that if no windows open up until later in in the trip but the first fish was like 10 feet behind the lure super lazy i mean i think he even did a full figure eight and then the fish showed up you know weird but a good sign that they were still still where they should be and i mean i'll just kind of like sum up the trip uh, unfortunately none were boated, but there was two hooked. Uh, one of them, I believe to be one of the large fish Max and I pinned on that weed bed, uh, right before we left at sunset, which was a real bum- bummer. Uh, all this action came on the swimming dog. Uh, the bait was just crushing it. Saw the, saw the fish belly roll and then spit the hooks. So that was, that was hard to see. You know, they, I, they must just not have been hitting right or something weird because, the client had a great hook set and it just came off and that was unfortunate. And we, throughout the trip, I think contacted 10 plus muskies. I mean, I was, while the client was casting, I was running live scope and kind of just surveying the area and checking all the weeds. And I mean, like Max said before, when it was calm and, and you could see in the water, you could see like an aquarium of fish. But in this case, with it being windy and I couldn't really see down much, the live scope was like lit up. I was just seeing bait everywhere, like everywhere just looked good. And I was just getting them to cast at all the weed beds because sometimes they'd be on the left, sometimes they'd be on the right. And fish just kept showing up out of nowhere. I mean, it was like sustained action through the whole uh, four and a half hours or so. And uh, he got he got another, a second one hooked. It got right up to the net. And it just, the hooks popped out just as I was reaching. I mean, I was reaching as far as I really could. And unfortunately, that one didn't get in the bag. That was probably a a 33 or 34 inch or so. Would have been really nice to bag and and get the picture with. Uh, unfortunately, it ended with no fish bagged. Another, another fish flying into the figure eight in the low 40s caliber. 
um, just overall, it was still a great time. And, and I was really happy to see that fish were fired up finally. And it just felt like, you know, felt like musky fishing was easy again, even though we didn't get one bagged. But I was quickly able to get the client on a small mouth as we were taken out, you know, just to get a picture, picture of the fish, you know, because I felt bad that we weren't able to get one boated, but uh, ended on a good note getting a small mouth. And then that kind of leads into Tuesday Night League, which which I'm going to be a part of this year with a good friend, Clayton. Uh, unfortunately, the first night he's not able to he wasn't able to make it. So uh, my dad subbed. And this Tuesday night league is just, uh, I believe it's called the Chain Pounders. So if you ever refer, uh, hear me referring to Tuesday night league, uh, that league, you can just fish the Eagle River and Three Lakes chain. So then I decided to just hop on and, and fish all the spots that we know super well. And and that action just carried over from the other lake that we we're at. Um, we ended up, I think, moving in that category of about 10 fish as well in that we weren't able to start league right away. So probably a good four, four and a half hours of fishing. And we went two for five, our two fish caught. Uh, Dad got one on a giant killer. That was a short. Uh, They have to be 30 inches to measure for league. And I caught one on a six inch grandma, uh, twitching it super, super fast over a windblowed weed flat. And that was also a short, unfortunately. And and then two more came unpinned on blades. And then to to end the night, dad unfortunately lost one boat side that, that tried to strike a swim, swimming dog. So, you know, we at least, you know, boated two fish through through Tuesday, which is always good to see. But unfortunately, the, the fish, even though they were fired up, they seemed to just be hitting the baits a little bit weird. You know, that that just can happen. It's unfortunate to see sometimes, but still had a great day out there. And and uh, it's just it really got me fired up for the upcoming weather. Finally, here in the Northwoods, I think I think going forward, we're going to have some some good fishing ahead of us. And I'm, I'm super pumped. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, I mean, we really didn't have a game plan going into this podcast other than just to talk about our recap. And I think we're running longer than we normally do, which is, I mean, not shocking because we actually got to talk about musky fishing this time. So hopefully our listeners got a nice long car trip or something ahead of them to tune this one on. So, um, yeah, but sorry about just, yeah, sorry about just taking over there at the end. I just wanted to get the listeners at least some, oh, you're some good. good note to end on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us if you're still around and, you know, I think the biggest takeaway for me was this is a pretty good reflection of the true ups and downs of musky fishing and how things can really get difficult and how they can fire back up all within the, you know, 24 to 48 hour span. So it's good to see. I'm really excited for our next few adventures here. I know you got a few more guide trips coming up, but yeah, we got the uh, PMTT next week. So we'll do a little preview of that and uh, I'm sure we'll hear a few other stories from how things go for you the rest of this week and whatnot hopefully stuff uh start to turn around you get a few more fish in the boat yeah for sure uh we're recording this right now on wednesday night of 5 31 and I didn't get to fish tonight but that's all right i think i'll be fishing uh nights of thursday friday and and throughout the whole weekend so it's kind of going to be a, a weekend to to go back and hit some of those fish that we lost or seen tuesday 
as well as go hit some new water and just see if see if I can find some new spots to go to and and really just expand the whole horizon up here and because overall I I just you know eventually you know want to want to figure out as many musky waters up here as, as I can and uh yeah um I might as well uh give out the social links and uh phone number for for anyone that wants to get in contact with me uh I know we didn't do a Q&A this week just be sure to look out on Facebook and Instagram if I ever put that up we'll be we'll be looking for some questions some weeks here and there to put on the podcast and as always you can you can hit me up about booking a guide trip throughout the summer it's it's starting to get a little busy in July um there's still a few openings in June and and then from there on out there's there's some more openings as well but but July is starting to book up quite fast now but you can reach reach me on Instagram at Suggs Fishing. Facebook is Suggs Fishing Guide Service. Or you can uh, add me as a friend on Facebook as Gus Manti. Uh, as always, you can reach my cell phone at 920-264-3816. You can leave me a text or a voicemail if I don't, if I don't get back to you on the call right away. And then be sure to check out uh, a website put together by Jeff Lang with Muskie Metrics. Um, I'm excited to, to join forces with him. Maybe some of you have seen a, an email blast come out, um, kind of showcasing myself, and I'm super excited to do that. And I know in, in further episodes, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about kind of the, maybe the, the Muskie Metrics app. I know we kind of use that throughout the weekend to kind of predict those bite windows. So the, uh, that website is www.sugsfishing.com. So with that being said, uh, I like to say good night to you, gents. Uh, that was another good podcast, and look forward to more musky fishing and more musky fishing chatting. Yeah, I want to also thank Jack for coming on here, and uh, it was good to have him in the boat this weekend. And hoping to have a a few more weekends with us for to kind of redeem ourselves a little bit. Maybe we'll be uh, a little bit more strategic if we can plan a weekend out here either this summer, maybe early fall you know, really try to get on a good bite, but, uh, we sure, we certainly put in our hours this week and, um, you know, hopefully that'll, that'll pay dividends later on, but yeah, really fun pod. Good to chat with you fellas as always and, uh, be well. So with that being said, thanks Jack again for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure having you on pleasure having you as a teammate teammate. Thank you for catching that fish. I'm sorry I couldn't come (laughs) through and and uh, give one, give them for the squad, but we'll redeem ourselves next time. I think we'll for sure keep the same teams because it seems like Brian and Max just got that team chem that's tough to beat. So we'll find it. I know we will. Yeah, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. It was a ton of fun. Hopefully I can get on a few more in the future after we you know, have a tournament later in the year, hopefully where Gus and I wipe the floor with the other two. Um, best, best of luck to you there. <laughs> I think you guys are doing a real good thing with the podcast. It's always always best part of my week, right? Makes the drives home from work a little bit better. So looking forward to listening to the upcoming episodes and hopefully I can get on a few in the future. We appreciate you, dog. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that, Jack. And uh, Ryan, take it away. Say goodnight. Thank you, everybody, for watching again of episode number five. Five. Episode number five, guys. We'll catch you next week, same time for episode number six. Peace.